Now here I go again, I see the crystal visions, I keep my visions to myself, it's only me who wants to wrap around your dreams, have you any dreams you'd like to sell? That was a beautiful piece of poetry by one of my favorite musical groups, Fleetwood Mac. We already talked about this, though. That was the second verse of Dreams, the most popular song, apparently, from their 11th studio album, Rumors, 1977. Hit them with the theme song. intro brought up three of my favorite things fleetwood mac poetry dreams that intro i wrote for an episode that i was going to do featuring um dreams in general dreams that i had um i'm a very active dreamer and i find i remember a lot of them uh so much so that if i think back and try to remember something it's hard for me to differentiate between a dream and a memory and so sometimes i'll tell someone something be like oh yeah i remember that time you did this and they'll be like i don't think we've ever been in that situation and like 50 50 it's like you know 50 percent of the time they actually don't remember shit because they have a bad memory and the other 50 percent is like no i definitely had a dream it wasn't a memory it was a dream that i had that you were in unfortunately instead this episode um i was going to shit i was going to interview my best buddy james and i mean technically i did the interview the problem is it was over shitty video call uh with latency and lag and so i would ask him something and he would answer oh of course bread Edly. and like i don't want to have to edit all that shit out i don't really have the time this week working um um solo extra hard you know it's uh it's a it's a bit much at work gotta work late and long those mean the same thing late and hard and so i don't have a lot of energy and so i figured i would just read a bunch of the notes that i have and put out a short episode sorry sucks to be you guys i hope you enjoy this weird compilation album i guess just recently i had a dream that i cut in line at a supermarket in front of um conjoined twins one fella slightly taller than myself with a whole man's face protruding from his chest and the guy up top was nice kind meek a little but the guy in his chest was real pissed that i cut in front of them spitting and swearing at me Kind of like Krang from the Ninja Turtles, except Krang was evil and in an android's body. And a little lower down the torso than this face was. Uh, that's all I remember from that dream. I don't even remember what I was trying to buy. But the very next night, I had a dream that an owl was trying to make my life uncomfortable. Very aggressively trying to displace me. I started out dreaming that I was in a tent but with one wall being a rock wall 
like I had used a canvas flap to create a lean-to type situation under an overhanging rock. And I'm trying to go to sleep because I'm exhausted. And this big barn owl flies into the tent and kind of just lands on my blanket. Like around my leg area and like a little off to the left. Between me and the rock wall. And I kind of tried to like chew him away with my leg like, piss off bird, someone's trying to sleep here. And he jumped up onto my leg and he dug his talons in as he crawled up towards my face. And he lunges forward towards me to bite my face. And like he got me a couple of times. It was terrifying. He t tore my nose, tore my lip. And then I was able to like retaliate. I could kind of wrap the sleeping bag blanket around him and whacked him against the rock wall before dipping out the front flap of the tent to find out that I wasn't like camping in the woods. I was homeless in a big city. I had a shopping cart outside and the rock wall was actually a concrete wall underneath a low balcony on an apartment building overlooking a parking lot. Across the parking lot was a 7-Eleven, and I went towards there to try to get something for my bloody face. But as I approached, I noticed that there were cops, and I had to avoid them because hop cops don't like homeless people. So I turned back around, and the owl is staring at me menacingly from the front flap of my tent. Um, I didn't want that kind of confrontation again, so I walked off into the raining city just in a random direction. And then I woke up. There is more proof that dinosaurs existed than proof that Jesus walked this earth. There's not to say that there isn't proof that Jesus walked the earth. There is some proof. Um, but there is more proof that dinosaurs walked this earth than there is proof that humankind in general has walked the earth. This seems hard to believe given our towering cities and arterial byways running through every country on earth. But this all happened at the same time and, be and can be quantified as such. Dinosaurs have been dated to come from over 200 million years ago. Humans have been here for maybe one or 200,000. Our current big cities have all been in the last 200 or so years. I bring this up because this is a concept that I always have struggled with since I first understood it. I was taught that Adam and Eve were created here the same day that all manner of beasts of the land were, the day after the birds and the sea creatures. We have physical proof that these great lizards existed long ago on land. How could man have been brought the same day that dinosaurs showed up? Are we supposed to believe that man has been around since the dinosaurs without any physical proof of such? I asked a trusted priest, and he told me, It's a metaphor. It's a parable. A story to teach us a lesson. Adam and Eve never existed beyond the written, written word. That was very interesting to hear, because it taught me something. Not that, you know, that I was lied to, but that some of the stories we are told aren't meant to be taken as 100% truth right? Maybe I'm allowed to believe in evolution and creation. They don't have to be mutually exclusive. Or maybe we haven't finished the sixth day yet. Maybe that seventh day, that restful day is coming. And maybe we haven't even met original sin yet. Is that more or less comforting 
than knowing it has all happened in the past. If that kind of lost you a little bit, think of it this way, right? How many millions of years did it take for Earth to form from dust in space? You know, how many millions of years did it take for our star to, uh, the sun, as we colloquially know it, um, to form into the burning ball of hydrogen that it is today? Millions and millions and millions of years. So, like, if that was day one of creating the heavens and earths, it makes sense that we're only here on the sixth day, right? So the seventh day, the rest, and the trials and tribulations of Adam and Eve afterwards in the Garden of Eden happen after today's point in time, right? Perhaps we haven't even met Eve yet. Eve was born from the rib of Adam. What if Adam is just a metaphor for mankind? What is mankind's rib that bore Eve? What is the basis of the creation of our eternal partner? Are we still living in Genesis? Probably not. But these are the thoughts that make Christians tell me I'm not a Christian. But my priest told me that it was a parable, so he says you take the lesson you need to take from it. Maybe I haven't found the lesson, but... Uh, at least I can critically think about the thing, you know? Good thing my religion and my relationship with my God isn't anybody's business but my own. Here's something that's been bothering me lately. I don't understand why people who drive big jacked up trucks, like especially people who drive big jacked up trucks, but people who drive trucks in general, avoid manhole covers. Like, in, there are like 10 of them in a row, in a three-block stretch in Main Street area, you know, between the downtown core and the school in my town. And I've seen people swerve into oncoming traffic to avoid driving over a manhole cover. Like, do you guys realize that they are designed not to fall into a circle? That's why they're a circle. They are bigger than the whole. Like, are you really paranoid that you're going to, like, drop in there? Like, I mean, sure, yeah, it could be possible that you might drop your tire in there and, you know, do catastrophic damage to your vehicle. But, like, is it worth driving into oncoming traffic for? Why do people do this? If you have any idea, let me know. Because, like, it's bothered me the last five weeks. <sighs> I don't remember who gave me this advice, but nope, now that I have said that out loud, I do remember who gave me this advice. I won't drag them, but I won't mention them either. Um, the, their advice was that an hour-long episode isn't manageable for listeners. People are going to tune out and unplug, that my message wouldn't get across. And like, yeah, maybe that's the truth. Maybe people just don't listen to podcasts. Maybe the people that I've been spreading this to aren't the type to sit down and listen to a whole episode of a podcast that's an hour long, right? And that could be fair, but I've had more people tell me, like, hey, when are you putting out more content? Like, I'm all caught up. When's the next episode? And I'm like, buddy, I can only handle one a week. Like, um, you might get a bonus episode once in a while. I might get out two in a week. But it's pretty time 
sucking project, you know? <laughs> Anyways, I'm glad you guys listen. Uh, all of you. Even if you don't appreciate me. This week I've had a couple of people give me um, content, I guess. Uh, I had friends send me pictures of myself. I've had people ask me, hey, do you remember this time? Right? And it might be because they listen to my podcast and they feel like they need to talk to me more often because, like, I have all of these things that I like to talk about. And I don't reach out and talk to a lot of my friends lately. I, uh, I find it hard to make time for people. I like being alone. But at the same time, I do really care about, like, all of you for the most part. Like, you know... Tell me the things that you like. Reach out to me. Talk to me. Say, hey, I saw this thing and it reminded me of you. Hey, I saw this memory that we have on Facebook. Like, I like hearing from people. Uh, And if it makes it into the show because I find it hilarious, then it's going to make it into the show. Uh, Literally this morning, my buddy Carter sent me a, a picture of me in a stupid shirt that I had bought. And it's an ugly as shit shirt. And I, I had a good laugh about it. I tried to figure out whose bathroom I was in when I took the picture. I couldn't quite put my finger on that. But um, it brought up a really good memory. And it's always good to remember, like, that stuff. So I guess this is a call. If you feel like you have something that you want me to remember, just tell me about it. Reach out to me. This part is an excerpt that I'm pretty sure I cut out of the first episode, but I'm recording it here anyway, and I'm going to double check before I upload. Adam Sandler is a lot of things. An actor, a singer, a songwriter, a director, but even more than that, he's an artist. An artist who has a lot of money from a very successful movie making career. He made it big and used his fame to perfect his career. He's writing these cheesy, corny rom-coms and action films and family comedies where he gets to play a goofy, lovable hero, or a cool action hero, or a goofy, middle-aged hero. This fella has got more money than God. And that's probably not true, but he sure acts like it. You see Adam Sandler at his movie premieres? Hawaiian polos and sweatpants. You know he's got nobody to impress. If he wants to retire, he will. If he wants to make another movie where he can write some Hollywood leading lady to be his love interest while he just makes goofy faces and says goofy things, he's gonna. Yes, I think Adam Sandler is goofy, but I like goofy movies. Yes, his movies can be corny, but he's got a right to it. He paid his dues, and now he's working his dream job, having as much fun as humanly possible, and making big bank off of it. (laughs) Mazel tov, Adam. You're an idol and an inspiration. Adamoration aside, fuck, that's a stupid joke. We have just a few points to make about 50 first dates that didn't get touched on in the interview with my dear mum. 50 First Dates is one of the first films to be released on Blu-ray format. Rotten Tomatoes score 45% from the critics and only 65% from audiences. This movie is actually mid-to-high scoring for a Sandler film, according to Rotten Tomatoes. I guess they don't really dig his specific type of humor. His wife's cameo, which there's one in every film, is during the opening scenes where his lovers are all speaking to somebody about meeting Henry and spending a nice week with him. 
she's doing some dentist work on a lady in a chair. Apparently, all the spam in the movie, like canned spam, is because Hawaii leads the nation in per capita consumption. 5.5 cans of spam are eaten by each Hawaiian every year. I found an interesting article about how old people are gross and why we think that, psychologically speaking. I dove into the study behind it and it seems to show that there is a natural avoidance of people acting strange due to an innate understanding that sickness causes strange movements. When someone or something is sick, it doesn't quite act right. Their mannerisms change, and we avoid these things so that we don't get the sickness that they might have passed on to us. Old people aren't sick, but the body doesn't act the same way we are used to seeing. Legs don't work as good. Strength fails, they walk crooked, their nose runs, they have trouble controlling their muscles. All the same types of symptoms that one would see in a very sick person. Diseased, contagious, and disgusting. You know what's worse than struggling through something and having a very time about it? When you tell someone about it to vent and get the weight off of your chest, and instead of offering assistance or emotional support, they tell you about a time that they had it worse. Can you imagine someone coming up to you and telling you that their father was sick in the hospital, potentially on his deathbed, and you tell them, oh yeah, I've also been sick, twice. I know that in your head you feel like offering an example of your own struggle shows people that you understand their plight, but it comes across like you are telling them that their struggle isn't big enough. And that's absolutely the worst thing you can tell someone who is suffering. We are emotional creatures, and yeah, sometimes our emotions are bigger than the problem. But tell a woman to calm down when she's pissed. Tell someone you don't have any parents left after they lost their parent. Guess who's the asshole? You have to think about how your words are affecting the people around you. I understand that people usually have good intentions, but it's hard to know how your words are going to affect someone in their current mood. I'm going to explain something to you that you should already know how to do, but you need practice on expanding its usage. Consent. If you feel like you have a story to share, that might make the person feel better, or to show that you're sharing in their struggle, ask them if they would like to hear it. Hey, would it help you if I shared a similar struggle? If they answer yeah, you're free to proceed. If they don't answer yes, that means if they say something along the lines of, I don't know, or no, or if they change the subject, or even if they just continue talking about their own complaints, you have to just sit there and listen. I don't want to interact with anybody lately. Nobody just sits still and listens. And the last thing I'm going to say about it is, if you don't have the strength to just sit and listen, you don't belong helping someone who is struggling anyway. It is better that you fuck off and let them struggle than to fuck it up worse 
by telling them that their struggle isn't real or big enough. When I was an older teenager, I don't know, remember if I was 16 or 17, but I was going to a youth convention in Edmonton. It's like a great big Christian rock concert with worship sessions and the whole big thing. It's called YC. It was really cool because we would do like a lot of things. We would do fundraising with the youth group, like throughout the town. We would uh, go around houses and ask for like pledges or donations. Like, hey, we'll come do work for you in your yard if you give us money or we'll, you know, rake your grass or we'll clean up the side of the road, all sorts of stuff. Just mostly we would just get donations, but once in a while we would like raffle stuff and do bottle drives, you know, typical fundraising stuff. Uh, an interesting aside here, one time I was fundraising for this convention with a kid who was the son of a police officer, and we were questioned by police due to an unfortunate break-in that happened later the day after I was in a person's home receiving a uh, donation, which is a story for another time. But anyways, I'm at one of these conventions. I'm pretty sure I was 17. We're sitting in a van on the way to the conference center. Um, our youth group had enough people to fill two 15-seater vans. And so we're like sleeping on the floor in a church instead of renting a hotel because that's what Christians do. They share the floor of their church. And we couldn't fundraise enough to pay for a hotel room for 30 people. So we're sleeping on the floor of the church. We wake up and it's like pseudo-catered. They give breakfast and we can use the showers and bathrooms to get ready. Shower, get in the van, do a Timmy's run on the way to, um, it was at Rexall Place where the Oilers played. And then like convention stuff in the uh, Edmonton Expo Center, which I'm pretty sure at the time was still called Northlands. Uh, so obviously we roll through Tim Hortons, grab a coffee to wake up, bunch of 15, 16, 17, 18 year old kids just like wake up in the morning and we're like, we need coffee. Um, not me, obviously. Coffee stunts your growth. Still don't like coffee. I use coffee when I need to, but uh, for the most part, I avoid it because it's a diuretic and it's a drug that you can get addicted to. It's very addictive. Coffee has bad juju. Uh, it takes a very long time for caffeine to leave your system. And most coffee shops pump it up, caffeine, like, just to keep you addicted and keep you coming back to spend money in their stores, which um, I sound like a broken record to people who are talking to me recently this week, but that's a late-stage capitalism flaw. Just keep pumping money, and you got to keep getting money out of every single person, more than their health. Anyways, so I'm sitting there in the back of this 15-seater van hanging out. You know, we're like chock full of kids and we're all kind of friends. Everyone's chatting on the ride. And uh, I've always kind of done this thing where like I'm in a group of people and everyone's kind of vibing. They're chatting, you know, it's the morning. We're excited to go to this concert. I sit back and I just watch, right? They're talking like, hey, I want to go to this demonstration. Hey, I want to go to this speaker. Hey, I want to watch this poetry reading. Whatever, right? I want to go see this band. Inspirational speakers they want to see in the different conference rooms and stuff. Um, and so they're talking about it. And, 
and I didn't want to influence anyone's opinion. I wanted everyone to have their own journey, right? So I didn't say a lot like, oh yeah, I'm going to see these guys, these guys, these guys, these guys, and these guys, because I didn't want to sway anyone's opinion. You know, I wanted them to go see the things that they wanted to see. I didn't really care if anyone came along with me. I wanted to go see the things I wanted to, right? And I didn't want to burden anybody else with that. Um, but then if they're like, you know, obviously, hey, I don't know what I'm doing between 2.30 and 4. And I'm like, oh, that's when I'm going to see this band or whatever, right? And then I would invite them. But, like, for the most part, I would just sit back and listen to what their plans for the day were. Uh, and actually, another really funny aside there is uh, one time uh, I wanted to go see this band Red, right? And then after the show, they were doing autographs in one of the one of the halls. And I was there with uh, I was there with my friend MJ, and I was like MJ, I need you there uh, as an emotional support person because like I don't know I was starstruck I guess I'm standing there looking at this band and they're like uh, Do you want me to sign that poster and I'm just kind of stood there nodding yeah just dumbfounded right and MJ's like yep just an autograph on the poster please like my perfect little mental health assistant because I'm just so in awe of these dudes who like. They're just people, right? But it felt so big at the time. Like, I'm a pretty tall dude. Looking up at these guys on stage is a whole different experience, right? Than standing across a great convention table. Musicians, they have a larger-than-life persona, right? Anyway, so I'm going through, and I get to the lead singer. Uh, all four of the guys in the band there sign it. And then the lead singer signs it, and he stands up to shake my hand. And uh, I just burst out laughing, right? <clears throat> Across the table, this guy is a whole foot shorter than me, right? Larger than life up on the stage, literally smaller than me. Uh, and when he was seating, I was looking down at him from up there six feet, and he stood up to shake my hand, and I'm still towering over him. I reach out to shake his hand, and uh, <laughs> the words that came out of my mouth were, Wow, you're short terrifying terrifying uh because i have a lot of respect for this dude and the music he creates and the only thing that i can get out is you're short oh, i blew it big time i honestly i hope he wasn't offended and just you know himself laughed about how strange a situation it was it's just so funny to me anyways back to the other story we're sitting in the back seat of this van and I'm watching everyone there chatting and vibing. I'm sitting back and just soaking in all the energy, watching the people, picking up the vibes. And on the roads in Edmonton, there's bumps and dips and hills. And every time we hit a bump, you would see the effect move through the 15 people in the van. You would see the front of the van dip into a bump, and the driver and the passengers would sink with the axle. Right? The dip would make its way from the front axle towards the rear, with me in the very back dipping a bit when the rear axle dipped, right? You watch the wave ripple through as the people who are holding their coffee slowly dipped. Coffee in hand, dip their coffee, and back up. It was like it was so perfectly synchronized. Twelve people ahead of me and every single one of them holding a coffee. Their heads bobbed, their coffee bobs. Everything in perfect, perfect synchronicity. I mean, it had to have been, otherwise you would have spilled your coffee. It was just so, so astounding to me all these bodies moving unconsciously in perfect synchronicity never thinking about their reactions just reacting in tandem i think it's very important to step back and look at stuff once in a while 
because this is like a minuscule and insignificant event. But there's a beautiful art to watching people naturally move together, right? Everyone receives the same influence. They respond the same way. And the outcome is beautiful. And I just feel like it was really important for me to see that at that specific time in my life. I can clearly picture it to this day. I, I can also picture that guy that died on the bench. We saw a homeless person laying on a bench <clears throat> between the Rexall Place and the church we were staying at. We saw him in the morning on the way there. And then we saw the police poking and prodding at him as we were driving back at like 7 p.m. that night. And that was interesting too. But you really got to appreciate the natural beauty and the way the world's energy affects us and moves us, even in the middle of a city. Hey, that's the whole episode this week, and um, I'm not even going to edit it. It's just going in. I cut a little bit, you know, while I was recording, but I recorded this all between um, 6 o'clock and 6.55, the day that it's uploading, preferably at 7 p.m. So, like... It's weird, but some of you will hear me in five minutes. And um, I hope you're just not disappointed. You know, this is, this is a short episode. I had a really busy week. I did interview my buddy James, but I didn't have time to edit his. I felt, I felt so bad because, like, I know the interview with James is a good interview. The problem is... I don't know, maybe, I, maybe I'm putting it on too high a pedestal, but I feel like I didn't even want to interview him over a video conference. I wanted to sit with him in the same room. It just feels more natural, you know? And I, I mean, I will at some point, but I didn't, I kind of wanted his first time on the show to be really, really good. You know, I mean, it is really good because he has good stories. We have a lot of things that we discuss. Um, it just, there's a distance when you're online. And I mean, there's a distance between us physically. He lives all the way in Kelowna. It's a 13 hour drive. It's a big deal. I really miss that guy. I, anyways, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. It's short. It's sweet. Oh, that's right. Um, in lieu of the remainder of the episode, what I did manage to get accomplished this week is I created a playlist of songs exclusively that I can't help but sing along to. Um, and I will provide a link to them in the show notes here so you can listen to it and imagine me singing. Because, and uh, I mean, you won't hear this because it's not going up in this episode, but during the interview with James, I spoke... And I asked him, hey, do you ever remember me, like, singing a song? And he goes, well, yeah, you sing along with the radio a lot. And I said back to him, I sing when I'm happy. And yeah, I sing along with the radio. But I don't always. I like singing. Singing is very good for me. And it happens when I'm very, very happy. And all of these songs that are in this playlist draw my voice out of me and the fact that I only sing when I'm very happy means that when I'm singing I will naturally become happy so if I'm in a bad mood and I start singing 
Like, I don't have to be a good singer. You guys got a taste of that at the top of this episode. Um, you know, I just sing. Sing, you don't have to be good. That's what Hosier says. Anyways, I suppose that's enough rambling. Next week will be... Uh, you know what? I'll probably put the episode with James up. Or I might... Uh, yep, it's probably going to be the episode with James. Sorry. Catch you on the flip-flop. I love you all.